So um, one of the things that we wanted to do during these evenings is take some time to uh, pray for those who are in positions where they certainly could use some prayer. Uh, Jacob and Joanna Bernhardt are uh, members here. Uh, many of you know them, known them well. Um, they're going to come up here in just a moment. But uh, I want to read uh, to you a little bit of an update as to what their uh, life and what their week is, especially is going to be looking like. And then we're going to pray with them as a church family. So first of all, Jacob and Joanna, thanks for allowing us as a family to come alongside and, and be along with you in this. Um, and even just the past several months, um, that's not an easy thing to do, to let people in. And you've let us in. And so thank you. Um, so they wrote this on October 8th. So it's been, definitely been a week. On Tuesday, October 5th, uh, we reached 36 weeks with their child and had another meeting with palliative care. Uh, this time it was to put into writing our plans for full-time birth, which uh, with much more intensive intervention planned for Noah. Noah is their little one uh, that's growing inside of Joanna. We were able to bring Freddie, their son, to the meeting, and they had child care specialists with resources for him, including a couple of books on emotions and on missing loved ones. He charmed everyone in the room and spent a fair amount of time rolling crayons across the table in the NICU specialist. It was good to see in writing what we could be doing to fight for Noah's life, although from the looks on everyone's faces and from the reading I've done, I know how incredibly slim the chances are of our son Noah surviving. We plan as we are able, and then we give our plans to God. On Thursday, we had another ultrasound and consult, and consult scheduled. Jacob and I both had an uncanny feeling that something was going to happen. Wednesday night, I had put together most of my suitcase. And Thursday morning, I looked at my kitchen and thought, what if they keep us at the hospital and someone else has to come home and deal with this? So I was frantically washing dishes until we had to walk out the door. Our ultrasound revealed two crucial problems. Noah has no amniotic fluid, which most likely means that his kidneys are no longer functioning and his lung movement is very weak. The lungs are probably just not receiving the proper orders from his brain because of the trisomy 13. When our specialist came in to talk to us, she talked about inducing that day, but she said first to check on his heart with a non-stress test. Thankfully, Noah's heartbeat was strong and steady, and he had good movement in utero, so she said she felt comfortable waiting until Monday and reassessing. There's a higher risk of a stillbirth before then, but we have lived with the reality of stillbirth for so long now, it seemed worth it to wait a few more days to get as close to full term, which is next Tuesday, as possible. And consequently, I got to go home and finish the dishes. To do everything to help his lungs have a chance, I went ahead and got the steroid shots yesterday and today. Unfortunately, that is probably why I only slept about four hours and why I'm up almost midnight tonight wired and writing this post. Hopefully my Tylenol tea and graham crackers will help me relax. So long story short, we're expecting Noah to be induced sometime this, this next week. Uh, the more we see of his lungs and kidneys, the less likely we feel he will make it to surgery. God's timing is so sweet, though, as one of my sisters has been planning a trip up to visit us for over a month now, and she flies in tomorrow, which I'm guessing she made it. It's good having so we'll have a moral support. We'll have moral support and wonderfully consistent and uncomplicated childcare plan for the next week, should we need it. From here on out, I'll keep this blog updated as well as possible on when we get to go to the hospital, when Noah's born, and update on uh, either NICU status or finalizing funeral plans. As God wills, we are still planning a funeral at Grace Church of Mentor. I wish I could share with you the depths of emotions and turmoil and truth and comfort that have been swirling in my mind and heart in the last few days. 
I've never felt so completely worn out. But there is too much to write. I feel like I could write a book. Here's one note. Last night I was laying in bed thinking about how people say every cloud has a silver lining and at the end of every storm there's a rainbow. There's something so cliche about such sayings. But then I started thinking about Noah, the one in Genesis 6. What we can learn from the foundations of our lives are torn apart and the floodgates of heaven are opened upon us. What does it take to survive through day after day after day of torrential downpour and uncertainty? We think of the flood mostly in terms of God's judgment on earth. But for Noah, those were months that I'm sure shook him to the core. God in his faithfulness preserved Noah. And he will do no less for us and for our Noah. A dear friend gave us a little outfit with rainbows on it for him, a sign of God's faithfulness, and I look forward to putting it on Noah. But I also pray in my heart that one day I can dress another healthy, precious baby in it, and we have that cliché, and we will have the cliché, but also precious and experience of a rainbow after the storm. So Jacob and Joanna, if you wouldn't mind coming up here, and we can pray with you as a church family. Um, we love you both, and... Um, we're just going to bring this to God. And we're learning a lot from you. Um, but even if maybe those lessons aren't as clear, God's still good. And uh, he's good. Okay, well, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, uh, you are sovereign and in control. You're wise your plans precede us. They precede even the world. And so, Lord, all of what is taking place now, Lord, it's not outside of your purview. And it's not outside of your plan. And as human beings, God, we, we really do chafe in that. Because the human part of this doesn't understand and so, Lord, we pour that out to you now. Lord, we hurt because we know this isn't the way that it ought to be. But, Lord, we take this moment not only to pour our hurt out to you for this couple, but, Lord, to covenant with one another to trust in you, to trust in your promises. Lord, to see that you are always good. Lord, that we trust in your faithfulness. We trust in your reliability. God, I pray for Jacob, and I pray for Joanna. I pray that the word might be comfort to them. It might be strength to them, that the Holy Spirit would bring exactly what they need to think and feel in those moments. Lord, I pray that you might also draw them closer to one another. Lord, there's no one on earth more perfect for this situation than the two of them for one another. We thank you for their marriage. We thank you for their love for Christ first in their marriage and then their love for one another as a consequence of their love for Christ. God, I pray that those whose lives are being touched even by this circumstance might see God in them. So, Lord, we, we, we come to you. Lord, you can, you can perform a miracle, and you can preserve this little boy's life. You can do what you want. And we would ask for that, God. 
But I thank you so much even to hear the words on their lips of your will be done. So God, I thank you. I pray for the the days that remain. Help them not to be anxious about material things. But rather, may they trust in you. Lord, pray for Freddie during this time as he's processing it all as a little boy. God, uphold him. May he be a delight to Jacob and Joanna and to this extended family. Lord, I pray for Joanna's parents. I pray for Jacob's parents. I pray for the extended family and the hurt that they feel being outside the situation. Um, Lord, it's a special kind of hurt. It's a detached kind, but God, it's, it's very real. I pray that you might uphold them and sustain them, even at this time. God, we look forward in hope to the day when this is done. Lord, we look forward to the day when Christ comes. Would he even come today? When death and sin will be conquered. We eagerly yearn for that day. So God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for Jacob and Joanna and allowing us as a church family here in Northeast Ohio to love them and to care for them and to be with them. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. How's that fit It's fine. And it's here. All right, another thing that we would like to do as a church family together, certainly bring each other before the Lord as we are burdened to do so, but also to highlight the reality of Him knitting our hearts together more and more. And I'd like to ask Deb Catania in a second to come up. She's, she had the opportunity and she was willing to speak about the opportunity along with several other ladies to help Mrs. Lawrence recently. And before she comes, I just want to read a passage, a verse here in Philemon. Paul says to Philemon, For I have come, for I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. And we know that. Uh, Paul is writing to Philemon because on behalf of Onesimus. And really for Paul to call Philemon brother, uh, Philemon was the guy who had the church in his house, and he obviously was refreshing the saints, and it was giving Paul great joy and comfort. But that same person, Philemon, also had Onesimus as a slave. And Paul can call Philemon brother, but he also is writing Philemon and saying, Philemon, I am calling Onesimus brother. And in that time, and in that culture, they wouldn't have been more apart than being a free man and a slave man. But Paul says, Onesimus is free now in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is your brother. And um, so there's, a, there's an amazing uh, picture, relational picture, of what Jesus does to two people in two different classes that have nothing to do with each other, 
But yet when they both come to Jesus, they are one in him. Cross-reference there, Ephesians chapter 2, the two men, man, men, Jew and Gentile, become one in the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyway, that's another opportunity that we want to highlight tonight, is how God is making very different people, like Deb Catania and Mrs. Thelma Lawrence, really so unified. And uh, so, Deb, you come and you tell us about you and the other ladies that I know weren't so bold to come up. But we appreciate that you are here because we really want the church to celebrate these things because that's what Jesus is doing in us. So thank you. Sure. It's a joy to talk about it. Um, Certainly, um, just being the spokesperson, um, I'm not by any means the person who has ministered to Thelma the most, but for the last couple of years, um, just in trying to meet her desire to live independently at home, um, there have been uh, many people uh, here uh, in our church family that have ministered to Thelma. Um, so sometimes this looks like people who are absolutely gifted and helps, just um, you know, diving in, just in their relationship with her, spending many, many, many hours with her um, to people like me. Um, I just really did one thing, but just did it consistently um, and certainly spent that time with her, getting to know her um, and finding out that we weren't all that different. Um, <laughs> had a lot of things in common and... Um, being blessed by her more so than me doing the little small thing I was doing. Um, And then there were people that didn't even know her, that just because they were asked to come and do something one time, um, would come readily. And such an, that was, you know, incredibly encouraging. But I think more than any of that, um, one of the things that I found most encouraging just happened recently, and that is that even though there were many people um, involved in her life, many of us were seeing the same spiritual need and maybe having some concern about it. And we we all came together just for like a practical planning meeting, and this um, sort of uh, spiritual need came up, and we found out that unbeknownst to the other, we were each ministering to her through the word of God in the same way, with the same prayer on our hearts for her, but just ministering um, in the same way. And and again, the fact that each of us are very, very different, but all uh, of the same mind with the same purpose to encourage her in that way. So thank you. I think it's like, I know it was a lot of background or a lot of time moving up to this, but we pretty much, we had a team that moved Thelma from her house to uh, Parker, well, there, and then back here to Parker Place, right? Mm-hmm. Within a day yes. or something yeah. like and that. And that's all, of course, undergirded by leadership, pastoral care, um, That you know, just amazing what happened in about 36 hours, I feel like it was. Um, yeah, and then just her heart, you know, with everyone saying basically the same thing, you know, speaking from the Word of God. Amen. Thank you. That's happening all the time um, here. People will call up. There was someone with a heart realized that someone else in our congregation didn't have air conditioning in the heat of the summer, called up and said, I want that person to have air conditioning, and I will pay for it. And don't you dare tell them who it was that did all this. 
And uh, so that's the kind of stuff that happens all the time here. And we want to celebrate that as God knits our hearts together more and more. Amen. Good evening. You okay? Carl, it's good to see you. I've been praying for you. It's uh, never an easy thing to lose a parent. I'm praying for you, and maybe someone could offer to pray with Carl tonight after the service. Raise your hand back there, Carl, or your wife can, so they know who you are. Let's find him and encourage him after the service. That would be that would be great. Take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter two uh, briefly this evening. Uh, I am going to sit again. Um, Protecting the old uh, cartilage-free left knee. Pastor Mike, I'm about ready to order him to go home. He was here this morning and taught the GLBI class without proper foot elevation. He sat during the morning service without proper foot elevation. He's here for another hour tonight without proper foot elevation so I don't know what to do I'm thinking that I need to provoke him to love into a good deed somehow can I get your foot up somehow can someone help him don't 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 move no 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 I mean, we're, we're talking about yeah can you you want a big pack of ice I've had uh, eight of those from my waist down. I did have my foot elevated. Yeah, but it's ankle above knee, knee above heart. That's the way I was taught. Deb, am I right? She's discipling now. She's provoking someone else to love and good deeds. So I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight. What we're going to do the second Sunday night of each month is we're going to take a topic in Scripture. It might be a word like we're going to do tonight and just kind of investigate it together uh, in the Word of God and then practically apply it to each one of our lives. The word we're going to discuss tonight, actually you've already seen in practice. Okay? Uh, The word is very broad in its understanding, but very practical uh, as well. As a matter of fact, you've practiced this word in song tonight. We can say that um, this Greek word koinonia that we, pro- we most popularly know as fellowship uh, can include the sharing of the instruction of God's word in the context of song. Okay. Uh, we know that it does include um, the testimony of Deb uh, with this team of folks at Grace that are helping another person within the family that needs uh, ministered to. Uh, And that was not just meals, moving furniture, making sure meds were in order for two months at a time, or um, making sure that um, she's got calls early in the morning and late at night, uh, making sure she's okay during during the day as well. Her having multiple phone numbers of which Thelma would call sometimes between uh, maybe 6 a.m. and noon, some 11 to 15 times, different people on some days, uh, because when she was living alone, she needed that much help. Um, 
all these folks working in chorus together to make sure because her family's in Texas and South Carolina, um, make sure that she was going to be uh, moved safely to a new home where she could have independent living but have uh, better oversight and care. Uh, it's all of those follow-up visits to that home to make sure that papers are signed. A home is sold and that home is transferred to the new owner. Um, literally thousands of benevolent acts of practical goodness and spiritual goodness to one person. And as Pastor Steve said, that um, happens a lot here at our church, in, among our church family. What Pastor Mike uh, did with the Bernhards, we weep with those who weep. That could fall underneath the umbrella of this term koinonia. Um, it's really just having life, but spiritual, intimate life in common. Okay? Uh, we're going to look at a few texts tonight. We're going to have some discussion. We'll travel a microphone. You can ask some questions. And, um, and we'll go from there. When we talk in terms of marriage, we say biblical math is one plus one equals what? One. When we talk in terms of spiritual math, okay, I'm in Christ, you're in Christ, and we are one body. When we talk historically about what people understood in the first century about this term, they always thought in terms of unity. Koinonia was always thought in terms of unity, togetherness, not proximity, but togetherness. Over spiritual truth and over practical health, help. Spiritual truth and practical health and help. Uh, we think of maybe Ephesians 4. We strive the maintenance, the unity the Spirit of God gives us. And we act as one body uh, to allow that unity to function uh, spiritually and practically. So we don't ever minister, as we've said the last couple Sunday mornings, in an in a individual way, uh, apart from everybody else. Right? We, we don't function in church according to my way. This is the body our way uh, together. Uh, so this is a little background about this particular word. I have a few other notes here tonight and then we'll have our discussion. So koinonia, uh, one author says, is a word describing a dynamic covenantal relationship. God with his people and his people with each other. Synonyms in the New Testament include words such as share or sharing, partner or partnering, and communion or community. There's nothing superficial about this particular word as it was used in pagan culture at that time or in Christian church culture. Koinonia is everything that is intimate, spiritual relationship. It is a word of holy unity. I call it God bringing us together as a match made in heaven. It's us in Christ. Uh, you can cross-reference if you want to take notes or in the margin of your Bible here next to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. 1 John 3, 1 John 1, verse 3, and then verses 6 and 7. We have fellowship with the Father in Christ. We are, we are one 
with the Father in Christ. And because of that, verses 6 and 7, we are one with one another. Uh, That's a deep and wide spiritual reality. Unity with Christ, unity with the Father in Christ. And then because of that unity that we share spiritually, we have a bond practically. We have fellowship with one another. Okay. Romans chapter 15. How is, how is koinonia expressed in the body? Before we get to Acts chapter 2. Romans 15 verses 16 and 26 and 27. Uh, we went over this as we were going through 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. There was a collection being taken for the church at Jerusalem. And Gentiles were giving out of their surplus to the need of the Jerusalem church. To Jews. Why? Because they had a spiritual bond that led them, it provoked them to underpin the strength of that practical bond in Christ. So Paul says in those verses uh, that he was going to be taking the collection from, that it was completed at, in Rome, and make sure that that got delivered to the Jews there in Jerusalem. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul says that we can koinonia in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. How deep and wide is this bond? It's that deep and it's that wide. As Christ suffered, as we are one in him, so may we. We are sharers in that potential suffering and difficulty. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 5, Paul addresses the Philippian believers as partners in the gospel. They're koinonia in the gospel. They have a common message, one with God, one with, one with the Father in Christ, and then a message of Christ's as a unit, one message, one mission that's shared together inside the local church. And Paul says that he was partners in the gospel, not only with the church of Philippi, but all those churches in that Macedonian region. I just wrote down seven different ways that we can practice koinonia among us uh, in very simple fashion. You saw several ways tonight. I really believe that when we practice our spiritual gifts, First uh, Peter chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, those gifts that are given to us by the manifold grace of God, And we share those unto God's glory by Christ, but we share those to one another for each other's encouragement. I would say that time spent over the word, which we'll see in Acts chapter 2 in a little bit, together is an exercise of koinonia. We're partnering together. We're sharing together over the content and application of the word of God. Acceptance. Acceptance. Uh, That's a popular word today. But this is acceptance among the brethren. If someone claims to know Christ, none of us are going to shun them because of their skin color or their lack of education or their socioeconomic status. Because all of those things are taken away when we're made one in Christ, right? None of those things really matter when we're one in Christ. So I would say acceptance uh, is a practical application of koinonia. 
I was talking to uh, someone recently and they said, Pastor, um, I met someone for the first time the other day and automatically I thought, wow, I really don't like the way they're dressed. Right? Is that wrong of me to think that way? And I was like, well, yes. If that's the first thing that comes to your mind, if that, if that thought keeps you from developing a relationship, we need to find out a little bit about that person first. We want to find out if they are in the body. We want to find out if they're functioning in fellowship with the Lord. And even and then in that pursuit, you're going to find out that maybe they're not. You'll have an opportunity uh, to share Christ with them. So yeah, I, I would say um, that if you find out next time you see them, you pursue them and you find out they're a believer, right? That you would accept them into your life, regardless of what you think they should be wearing or not wearing and develop a relationship over Christ because acceptance in Christ is koinonia. It's koinonia, right? Um, lots of other illustrations in my, in, my, in my life as a PK, right? And then as a pastor of various ways that people could practice acceptance. Uh, they had a choice to do so but they chose not to based on some predispositions or some assumptions that were false. Um, but remember, koinonia among the people of God is a, is a, a word of deep unity. It's, a, it's intimate bond. It's that one plus one uh, equals one for sure. Encouragement. Uh, Paul uses that word parakaleo to call someone alongside uh, to encourage their hearts. Some of you do that easily if you have the spiritual gift of mercy for the rest of us. That's somewhat of a spiritual discipline that needs to be developed. But I would say in addition to spiritual gifts and time over the word and acceptance in Christ, encouragement certainly is a way to practice koinonia. Service in the church. And I'm not meaning service according to your spiritual gifts. I'm talking about service outside of your spiritual gifts service in addition to. Right? None of us would say, well, I have the gift of mercy, so I'm only going to practice mercy in the church. I don't have the gift of giving, so I'm not going to give. I don't have the gift of teaching, so I'm not going to teach. I don't have the gift of exhortation, so I'm never going to sit down and help someone I'm discipling get out of a Galatians 6, 1 and 2 ditch. Those aren't my gifts, so I'm not going to do those things. All of us would say that's kind of foolish thinking, right? So service is not just done according to your gifts, but it's also not at the expense of serving outside of your gifts. You've got to be able to serve. Uh, that's koinonia. It's intentional living, okay? And I would see, we'll see here in Acts chapter 2 as well, sharing out of your abundance, whether it be an air conditioning unit, uh, whatever it may be. And you folks are really good at that. Typically, if we put a need out, uh, within minutes, that needs taken care of. Plus, um, many of you are sharing needs that you never tell anybody. You're sharing out of your abundance and you never tell us. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. We would love to help out as a church family. I would like to think that, and I know it's probably, you know, pie in the sky thinking. I'd like to know 
that it, I'd like to believe that all of you would share all of your needs and that the whole body could know what they were so we could take care of them, right? Uh, but I know sometimes the Lord burdens your heart to take care of needs on your own with someone inside your local church. And I would hope that you would make sure that all the needs inside the local church are cared for before you start taking care of needs outside our local church. You say, well, Pastor Tim, I just don't know of the needs that are inside our church, so I'm going to start taking care of needs outside our church. I don't think there's anything wrong that you do that, but never at the expense of the need of the local church. Does that make sense? So this is just koinonia. One plus one equals one. We're one with the Father in Christ. We're one with each other in Christ. We're one in message. We're one in mission. We're one in purpose. We're one in service. We're one in all of these ways. So we call that intentional. So Pastor Tim, isn't fellowship sometimes um, just getting together and having pizza? Can you get together in fellowship and just bowl or play cards? Right? Cornhole? Is that fellowship? All I can tell you is from the first century... That's not what they would have been thinking. They didn't have cornhole pizza. I get it. But just hanging out, okay, is not what they would have been thinking. But there's nothing wrong with enjoying those things with God's people, is there? There's a lot that you can learn about someone, right? Boy, a lot of integrity or lack thereof comes out when you sit down and you play Monopoly with somebody, Right? I've never played a game of Monopoly with Pastor Steve, but I can't wait, right? Because he's a wheeler and a dealer, right? I want to see how many times he sends me to prison, right? Just let me be baker. Not a chance, yeah. Um, certainly nothing wrong with those things. Some of, the, some of the best memories that we have with God's people, right, is over a game of Yahtzee or a game of chess or checkers or just having them over for a meal. Uh, None of us are ever going to forsake those things. But when we think of fellowship, right? we think of fellowship, it's just deeper and wider than that, okay? Um, I'm not asking you to change the way you use the word, okay? Um, I'm not asking you to not use the word fellowship in relationship to having dinner or playing cornhole or going to a ball game. Uh, if you want to say you had fellowship with a brother or sister in Christ here by doing those things, I'll never frown upon that. But when we think about intentionally gathering together on a formal or informal basis, just always remember that each of us is asked to fellowship in deeper and wider ways, right? And to be disciplined about doing that. That's all, right? So koinonia is the opposite of just going through the motions of formal or informal worship. It's the people of God engaged together in all of these ways. uh, Because we desperately need that engagement and that encouragement that comes from that engagement. um, Because we face a a world that's getting rougher uh, and more difficult. Okay? Okay? All right. Any comments or questions?